So next week, I will be starting my series in the Gospel of John. Tonight, however, I'm finishing this series on prayer. As I said, there's so much more to say. My title tonight is The Unclean Spirit, The Fig Tree, and Forgiveness, because we're going to be looking at a couple of these stories. And before I turn to the scriptures, let's pray. Father in heaven, I just, I just ask you to be here to pour yourself out, to pour out your spirit. God, we need you more than we know. We don't even understand the depths of our need. And so I just pray that you act on our behalf, that you have mercy. Have mercy on us, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So in Mark chapter 9, it's where we're, the first story we're going to look at, verse 14, and when they came to when they came to the disciples, now you say, who is they? Very good question. They is Jesus, Peter, James, and John. They've just been on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus, his appearance was whiter than any white. And now they've come back down the hill. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them because religious people like to argue. I'm, no, I, I, I mean, they really do. I mean, even good Jesus-loving religious people, we, we, love to, we love to argue, man. It's true, Evan, isn't it? He knows it. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him because they were there to see Jesus. I mean, his, his fame had spread. It's, it's actually remarkable when you read the Gospels they didn't have internet. They didn't have any photographs. Most likely, I doubt there were paintings of Jesus hanging up. How everyone knew who he was is beyond me. But when they heard, they came and they brought the sick and they brought the lame. They came. So when the crowd saw him, they were greatly amazed. They ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And if you're a parent, you have to be heartbroken at this. Like, that's my boy. And he's, he's imprisoned. He's, he has a spirit, and the spirit is taking over him. And look at what it does to him throws him to the ground, grinds his teeth, becomes rigid, foams at the mouth. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, that's where we are, a few chapters earlier, Jesus told his disciples when he sent them out, I give you authority over unclean spirits. He gave them that authority. He gave them that authority. And yet, here's this father telling Jesus, I brought him to you, and your disciples, I asked, and they weren't able to cast it out. And he answered, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? Jesus apparently thought, they should have been able to cast out this unclean spirit because he had given them 
authority. He had given them authority. And the problem was they were faithless. And it didn't mean they didn't believe. It didn't mean they didn't have any faith. But they weren't full of faith. And you see, this is why I'm telling you this story. Because this is my problem. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. You just get to listen. Because I'm like, why? Why don't I? Do I believe this? So I was replaying this in my mind. I'm like, okay, so what do I actually think? Do I think that this dad tells this to Jesus? And Jesus is like, well, yeah, that's a doozy of a demon over there. That's, I mean, we can, we got some. Come on, come on, be reasonable. What do you expect? Jesus, no. He was like, oh, faithless generation. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. He fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. The evil spirit did not like seeing Jesus. He didn't want to see Jesus. He didn't seem to mind his disciples too bad. They're faithless. But Jesus, and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So now I'm thinking along, oh, what do I... I know what he's going to say because I've read the story before and you probably have too. But just think along with me. What would you kind of expect Jesus to say? Well, I'll try, but if my disciples couldn't, I don't know if I will. Or, oh, I'm I'm running a little low on power because I've been performing a lot of miracles. I mean, being transfigured really takes it out of you. His answer is, if you can like i thought you knew who i was i really did i thought that's why you came to me because you knew who i was and you see that's the problem we know who jesus is but i'm not always certain we know who Jesus is. And and think about this situation. You have the crowd, and there's a lot of people. I mean, it's a crowd. And you have the disciples. And the disciples, they've gone on missions trips. They've cast out demons. They've healed the sick. They've, they've worked miraculous signs and wonders. When they came back from their missions trip, they were like, Jesus, you'll never believe it. And he says, shh, it's okay. Don't marvel that you have power over demons. Marvel that your name is in the book of life. You want to marvel about something? Marvel about that. And they all, and and I'm they, and you're they, they all are bound by earth things. Because they just understand. They've lived. They've seen demon-possessed people. They understand the ranting and the raving and the frothing and the foaming. They understand sickness. They understand death. 
They understand pain and misery. They can't quite grasp the power to be able to do anything. And so it's like, if you can? And you see, here's why I love this story. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. He says, if you can, and then Jesus says, all things are possible for one who believes. All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Because that's where I am. I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. And I'm not even always sure how to get over my unbelief. I, I can't just will it. I, I was like, I just believe, I believe, I believe. You know, if it's like the little engine, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I But somehow... I know that I need less of me and more of him and less of the world. By the way, the world, it's terrible. No, and I, I know I'm being dramatic, but this is my daily struggle, basically. I have, this is the easiest of the simplest of my daily struggles, okay? I don't even know if I should tell this story, but I'm going to because. So when I wake up, I like Mike Greenberg from ESPN. And he has a TV program called Get Up. And they talk about sports. And I like sports because it's not politics. It's not heavy. It's not you're all dying. It's, you know, it's not hate, hate, hate. It's just like, hey, the Super Bowl. So, but I also think this thought. I shouldn't turn the TV on. I should read the Bible and pray. I should spend time with Jesus. And on the days when I spend time with Jesus, I tend to find I enjoy that time when it's over more than if I had wasted it trying to be entertained by sports. So the other day, this just happened this week. I'm like, no, I'm not turning it on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible. I'm going to, you know. And then after reading for however long it was, I'm like, oh, I still have some time. I'll just turn it on. And a commercial was on. And I don't know. I mean, commercials are on all the time. They're on all the time. So I don't know if this was like because I'd been spending time reading and praying that I was a little more heightened to this, but it was this commercial for like Disney Plus or something. And they showed these like clips, like very short clips of all these different movies. And I couldn't believe how how sexual some of what I was seeing was just like instantly. And I don't know about, and I, I can't speak to women, so I don't know about you men, but I tend to not need help in coming up with more impure thoughts. <laughs> I, I seem to do all right. You know, like, no, you see what I'm saying? Like, I could be like at the grocery store looking at the tea, you know? I don't need to be, and I was like, is this what I see all the time? Is this what is just being... And I actually thought, someday I'm going to just sit and count how many things are just... Well, no wonder we make terrible decisions about everything. No wonder we don't believe. Because we are, we are living here, and we're bound by here. And it's really hard to have, you know, the old saying, it's hard to soar like eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys or whatever that, whatever that saying is. Well, here's the problem. I've been choosing my own company. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know this joke. It's a terrible joke. Guys are eating breakfast, lunch. 
And the first guy says, see, there's, there are construction guys that are way up high on one of those like things. And he says, baloney, if I have baloney again tomorrow, I'm jumping. And the second guy is like, tuna, if I have tuna again tomorrow, I'm jumping. And the third guy says, liverwurst, if I have liverwurst again tomorrow, I'm jumping. The first guy opens up his lunch the next day, peanut butter and jelly, whew, I'm okay. Second guy's like, ham and cheese, I'm okay. The third guy, liverwurst. Well, he jumps off, dies. And the first guy says, man, I sure do feel bad about him. Too bad he had liverwurst. He said, I don't, he packs his own lunch. (laughs) It's a terrible joke. But here's the point. You are packing your own lunch. You're pa- you are, I'm the one who's in control of what I see. I'm the one who's in control of what I think. And if I really think, last week we talked about the prayer of a righteous man. If we think that we will have the faith of a righteous man, and if we think we can live the, the faith of a righteous man, while living the life of a corrupt, wicked man, that doesn't work. That, that doesn't work. And your faith is going to be stuck. He says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. We all need help with our unbelief. And I'm saying the first thing that will help your unbelief is the breastplate of righteousness. And I know we're often taught the breastplate of righteousness is the righteousness that we get from Christ. It's true. Our righteousness is, it's, it's filthy rags. It's true. But it's also true, you can live a better life. In fact, here's my proof text. How many of you have gone to summer camp or Bible camp or someplace like that and it was the greatest week of your life and you felt so close to God? Anyone raise your hand. Okay, those of you who haven't talked to them, you'll know this is true. How much TV did you get to watch? None. How often do you listen to secular radio? Not. What do you do in the morning? You all get together and you read the Bible and you pray and you are actually living out faith and somehow you come home from camp and you're like that was the greatest week of my life i wish i could do that here but then you get so sad and depressed well i'm i'm thinking maybe if we bring a little more summer camp to every day we'll have a little more summer camp in us if you know what i'm talking about amen we're going there we go bring on the amens Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd, that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit. That's how hard it was for him. That's, that's how long he had to think about that. And do you believe he has that much power? Because I believe, help my unbelief. I believe this story is true. Help my unbelief. But I think, I actually have these thoughts. I'm saying, okay, God, I believe that you are who you said you are. And I believe, Jesus, that you did what you said you do. And I believe that no thing is harder for you than another. But when I pray for some things, it's harder for me to believe than for another. And that's a me problem. So help my unbelief. He has power. I mean, the miracles Jesus did, I love the calming of the sea. I think that is my favorite story. The disciples are like, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. He's like, peace. Be still. And the winds and the waves die down. And the disciples who've seen him perform miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, they turn to each other and say, what manner of man is this? 
that even the winds and the waves obey him. That's who we're praying to. So I think we should pray like we're praying to someone that has all the power. Because he has all the power. And again, a few weeks ago, uh, and I may, have, I may have shared this with you, but on the week I was talking about the widow, the persistent widow, and the guy who's banging on the door, a lady called me up and we were talking and she was like, it almost sounded like you were telling us we should nag Jesus. I'm like, well, I didn't say it. He said it. He's the one who said, bang on the door until it's opened. He's the one who said, seek until you find. He's the one who said, ask until it's open. I mean, remember, the, the corrupt judge said, she's going to beat me down by her constant coming. That's what God says to us. And remember, that passage ended not with will he do it, but it was, but when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith on earth? He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. Like you killed him. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And much like his previous answer, he didn't say, because it's a doozy. He said, I'll tell you why. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Which he's very clearly saying, you need to pray more. You need to become well, very good. Some of them do. The, they actually say though, that the fasting is probably not in the original manuscript, but I would say adding fasting to your prayer doesn't hurt anything, Terry. Yes, there are versions, if you have them, that say by prayer and fasting. And it, it's emphasizing, this is serious. You, you have to give yourself to this. This is something you are devoted to. There's a story, it's probably a true story, I don't know, but there was uh, this famous musician and he was playing and he's like, oh, and he was really good. And after the concert, he's out there and, and one of the guys is talking to his friend and, and he's in earshot of the performer. And he says, man, I'd give my life to play like that. And the man looked at him and said, I did. And that's what, it, it's, it's this devotion. It's, but in the end, and I'm talking to me, believe me, I'm talking to me, in the end, what do I really want to give my life to? What do, you, what do you want to have to offer to Jesus when you stand before him? It's like, man, I'll tell you what, I watched a lot of ESPN. I really, I really was good. I was, I was dedicated to ESPN. I was, I don't know what that's worth to you, Jesus, but I'm just telling you, I was good at it. So now we're going to jump ahead to chapter 11. This is, again, the final week of his life now. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, so this would have been the Monday of, after Palm Sunday, on the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Why? For it was not the season for figs. 
That's why. Now, there are some who say, well, you know, well, because Jesus is going to curse the tree and wither it up. And part of you wants to say, well, that seems unfair. Maybe it is. It's a tree. (laughs) Maybe it is. Others will say, oh, you know, see, if there were leaves, there should have been fruit because it's like, well, Mark seems to say there shouldn't have been fruit. It was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and he began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons because they were corrupt. And they were using something that was holy and good to rip people off. Yeah, rip them off. That's, I mean, I... That's a pretty coarse way to say it, but that's what they were doing. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. I mean, he's a raging madman. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And I was thinking about the church. I mean, you know, that's the context. He's at the temple. We are a church. I heard a preacher say this, and it has stuck with me. And I'm going to say it to you, and I hope it convicts you. I hope you feel bad. I mean it. I want you to feel bad about this because we don't pray enough. He said, the problem in America isn't that we took prayer out of schools. It's that we took it out of the church. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Because I heard the stories of the days. You know, Spurgeon's church, basement with like 400 people praying around the clock. We, honestly, River of Life, we don't even have a prayer meeting. Like, we don't. I'm not not blaming you guys. I'm just saying. We don't. The problem in America isn't that we've taken prayer out of the schools. It's that we've taken prayer out of the church. My house shall be called a house of prayer. That's what it's supposed to be. But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. They've never heard anyone like him. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look. Like, Peter's surprised. Like, Peter, what did you think would happen? Do you know who he is? Do you know what he said? And you see, again, I'm not attacking Peter. I've told you, I love Peter. Peter's a man. I know preachers like to pick on Peter. And my my answer to them always is, is when you're willing to be crucified upside down, then you can talk smack about Peter. But look at this. Peter's like, how did, this is, um, I'm, this is, Jesus, this is, wow, how did you do that? And the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. 
And here's where my theological brain goes. Hmm, what did he mean by that? Because I know not everyone who prays gets what they want. And I've never seen any mountains thrown into the sea. So it must not mean what he said. And I was, and I'm, this is true. This is like my brain. I'm thinking this. I'm thinking this. And I'm listening because I listen to the Bible. And while I'm thinking that, I'm listening. And in, as I'm listening and trying to think, it's hard to do two things at once. I'm hearing the story where Jesus said to his disciples, the son of man will be handed over to the Gentiles and he will be beaten and flogged and spit upon and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life again. And then it says, and the disciples discussed among themselves, what did he mean? And I'm like, what do you mean? What did he mean? He just told you he, he couldn't have been any clearer. And then I'm like, oh yeah, he couldn't have been any clearer. He told me what he meant. He meant, if you have faith, if you believe, you can say to this mountain, get up and throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received and it will be yours. The problem isn't Jesus didn't say what he meant clearly. The problem is the gap between my faith and what my faith ought to be. And I'm, I'm not sure how to grow it, but I do know things that won't help. ESPN does not help. And I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm never going to watch ESPN. That's not my point. Here's my point. I was taught as a little kid, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day. If you know it, sing along, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day. Yeah, and you grow. Yeah, there's different versions that backfired on me. <laughs> I think some of you just make up your own words. But this is what we need to do. And what else, what else do you want to do? You know, when last week when we were talking about the parable of the talents, and I, I didn't say this, I should have, it isn't enough just to grow something. You have to grow the kingdom. When the, when the servants were given the talents, they gave them back to their master. He didn't say, hey, you gave me five talents. I uh, did a whole bunch of artwork and I made some paper mache projects. Here, take these. He's like, no, no, no. That's, I want you to grow my kingdom. The father wants us to grow his kingdom. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's what our mission is. It's to make disciples. Anything that is not making disciples is really just in the way. And have you ever, have you ever known a student in school? Because when I was a kid, people would always draw in their notebooks. And, they would, and some of the kids were really good. Like, like, really, they could draw beautiful pictures. And so their math notebook like has a, a unicorn, you know, bowling or something. It's a lot of beautiful work. They didn't learn math. <laughs> the purpose of the math notebook was to learn math. And we need to be about what we are to be about. And then, this is why it's unclean spirits, the fig tree, and forgiveness. 
I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, whenever you stand praying, whenever, that's all the time. And you're supposed to pray all the time. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And Jesus seems to emphasize this a lot. I mean, this is really becoming one of my passions. James wrote this, there will be judgment without mercy for anyone who does not show mercy. When you stand before God, I don't know about you, but I want mercy. I want mercy. And he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In fact, does anyone know how that, Sandy Williams, I'm looking at you. Does anyone know how that verse ends? The one I just quoted the first part of. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who does not show mercy. Okay, anyone? James said, mercy triumphs over judgment mercy triumphs over judgment and so if you're holding on to things let them go ask god to help you ask god to give you his love for that person i mean this this is what we are called to and i think i'm getting a little more desperate because i'm 53 now i realize i don't have a lot of time you know, when you're 30, you think you'll live for, I know, John. Poor John, you're even older than me. You got less. <laughs> well, in theory. Well, I'm just saying, you know. So may we, may we have faith. And may we ask for more faith. And may we believe that Jesus, ooh, it, who, that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. And may we believe that he can do what he says he can do. And he said, nothing is too hard. And may we believe that if we ask, we will receive. And if we seek, we will find. And if we knock, the door will be opened. And then may we ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. And may we ask rightly. May we be righteous people. May we be devoted to him. May we grow in our prayers. And may we above all forgive and show mercy. May we just be so merciful. Let's pray. Father, I, I don't even know how to begin to be what I just said we should be. You have to do it. You are the one who wills and works. You are the one who transforms. Your word cleans us. Your word makes us new. So I pray that we, that we devote ourselves to you that we realize what really matters, what is really important, and we devote ourselves to that. Please help us. In your beautiful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.